The Pro Act know-how. Looking at Brexit today and what expats need to do and what they need to deal with, um, uh, with, with all the noise around the trade deal and the upcoming EU Leaders Summit coming up in the next few days. So what does it mean to expats and how is it relevant to expats is what we're looking at in today's webinar. So we, we've got the chat on, so you can en enter your questions there. And uh, if you follow up on this uh, event, um, then people can, uh, uh, by registering at Product Partnership uh, events, then people can um, uh, be keep in touch and will update with like personal uh, vlogs and emails on what specific changes need to um, uh, to um, to to be to 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 take place. <clears throat> so welcome to the the new guests. Um, So, um, first of all, let's look at the, the trade deal and the noise uh, related around that. What the trade deal means is that um, uh, will the EU get what they want and will the UK what, get what they want? So the UK have issued a, uh, a, 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 a sort of um, a trade deal in draft to the EU for them to agree and they're going through it with it to protect their own vested interests. So the, the tariffs and the quotas that they agree within that will all be relevant to, to what the deal is, to make it local and, and national taxes. Also protecting workers' rights against uh, over-egging state aid or competition or, or the environment. Um, <clears throat> a couple of big sticking points for the EU is uh, fisheries, because. 80% of the fishing in the UK waters goes into the EU. So there's a big business to protect there, but also the services that the UK can provide in banking, uh, legal, musicians and chefs into the EU can be, can be effective. So all those things are part of the trade deal that needs to be agreed with the EU and in theory with the EU summit this, this week. So what we're looking forward to is potentially uh, a, a large uh, agreement to be put in place from which we can then move forward. Um, but there will be guaranteed to be changes. There'll be changes to the rules and imports and exports. Um, there'll also be changes to uh, the rules on hiring uh, from the EU. Um, so if you want to work, live and work abroad, then, then that will change. And also, you know, business, providing business services cross-border, the potential issues there. So we all need to look at that. Uh, UK have made some legal changes already, and some of those are quite controversial. But they've said that a new agreement needs to be in place by the 15th of October. So we're waiting to see if that's agreed uh, this week at the summit. The initial soundings recently have said that they look to have something in place by early November, but it largely should be agreed. Um, it largely should be agreed by the end of by the end of this uh, this this um, uh, period into the middle of November to allow time for legislation to go through. The EU, the UK, though, have confirmed they want to be an independent country and, and go their own way. 
which is different to the intentions of the EU, and it's about them coming up with a deal. A deal. If the UK uh, and the EU don't make a deal, um, then we're going to no deal territory. But then WTO rules apply, World Trade Organization rules apply. So that's not such a bad thing. USA, Australia, New Zealand and China are already operating under World Trade Organization rules with the EU. The EU's got over 40 trade deals around the world. If they're not renewed at the end of each year on the 31st of December, those, those countries and trade deals revert to WTO. Uh, World Trade Organization rules. So, you know, again, th th these are things that are, are happening and it's just a normal course of events, but there will be change to import and export rules um, and to hiring across border and to business services across the EU. Um, the UK has made its own bilateral agreements and put those in place already. So that, that's something that, that, that could develop and uh, we'll look how that, that, that will come. But, you know, there's an agreement between, a new agreement between Japan and the UK, for example, and there's a new uh, trade agreement between uh, the UK and uh, the, sorry, between the EU and Japan. So any Japanese business in Japan, EU or UK can keep trading as it has done before with the EU uh, or the UK. Uh, and so there's no big uprooting for them in terms of their, their factories and um, their, their arrangements that they're making. And the UK has also got a number of trade agreements in place uh, with South America, Africa, Caribbean countries, Switzerland, uh, Israel and Jordan. So there's, there's a lot of stuff in place. So let's see how that... Um, that would affect um, uh, expats in terms of, of travel. If you've got any specific questions, you put them on the chat. We, we'll try and address those. Uh, how, how travel will change is that going into the EU, the UK will continue to have free trade, uh, free visa travel agreements. But international rules will apply, not, not EU citizens. So without a, a residency in those locations, you need a passport that's got at least six months to run um, and not more than 10 years old. So old passports don't, don't cut it anymore. So if you've not renewed your passport in the last 10 years, you may need to do that to travel to EU countries from 2021. Um, there's also uh, changes that can be made in terms of the European Health Insurance Card won't work after the after January 21. So you know it's it's a real change in circumstances that um, that exchange of healthcare and social and medical care could undergo quite a radical change. It's not confirmed one way or the other yet, but the UK is not part of the EU social insurance welfare and coordination scheme. UK will contact carry on but the countries that it's got agreements with outside the EU doesn't include any of the EU countries at the moment. So they can only be put in place after the 1st of January and will only be agreed and put in place and confirmed after the, the trade deal is put in place. So that's something that expats need to look out for. There'll be new travel agreements for pets. 
the EU uh, pet passport scheme won't work for UK pets going to the EU and vice versa. So the non-EU rules for UK pets and vice versa could take up to four months. So that's something anybody you know, traveling with their pets needs to um, uh, consider. Um, another bizarre thing is that um, different countries have got different regulations. So Bulgaria, Romania, Croatia, uh, France, Spain, Portugal, Germany, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, all these countries have got different traditions and different, and they come from different places. So their immigration rules are, are slightly different. So you may find that outside the EU, um, and a UK expat going into the EU may need to have, in addition to a, a recent passport, uh, they might, uh, if they're staying for longer than 90 days, they might need a visa, they might need a visa to work. They may need to have a, a, a return ticket to prove they're leaving the country. And they may need to have to show that they've got enough cash to live uh, and support themselves during their stay in, in the country. All those things change, except for Irish citizens. There's a free tra travel agreement between the UK and Ireland that will, has already been confirmed and will continue after Brexit. Dates from 1949, so UK and EU expats can still move freely between the two places. So there's quite a few changes on there. Things won't stand still. It'll be a bit different. You won't be in the EU lane, you'll be in a different lane, but it will be the same. Um, it, but it'd be like traveling to South America or the USA rather than to the EU. Uh, moving on to uh, uh, living and working abroad, any expat should have an EU residency confirmed. So um, this, is, this is a big factor uh, for uh, any expats. Uh, if you've got any questions on it, you can put them in the chat room here and you can register at projectpartnership.com slash events to be kept up to date with any new developments on this. Um, if you haven't got an up-to-date residency, in, by that, uh, an EU residency registration in the country that you're living in the last 12 or so years, then you need to make sure that it's up-to-date. And But that then gives you the right to live and work abroad indefinitely uh, for the rest of your life with your family. Not citizenship, the right to remain living and working abroad. In the UK, it's a new scheme called the Settled Status Scheme. Um, and that allows you to um, join the, um, uh, remain in the country in the UK, again, with your family joining you um, sometime before the, the closure of that period in, in 2022. Um, so essentially expats need to be, uh, uh, expats need to be registered in that country of residence before the end of December to be able to get those EU citizen rights and for those to be guaranteed for the rest of their life. So that's a big thing, it's a big factor. So in some countries it's more simple than others, uh, others it's more complicated. Um, Bulgaria, you have to go to the police station, um, in, in Portugal to the local town hall, in, in Cyprus to the immigration office, which is a branch of the police department. So it's slightly different for each country, but you have to get that registration done before the 31st of 
December, and then you've got the right to move on to permanent residency. With some countries, you can go for citizenship, but again, it, the, the rules differ slightly different there. So the minimum would be five years for countries like France, Ireland, UK, um, and the criteria for confirming citizenship is slightly differently. But for other countries, it can be a longer period and there can be other complicating requirements that you need. Um, and, and some countries won't allow dual citizenship. For example, Austria and Germany won't allow a UK expat to hold a British and an Austrian uh, passport, for example. So you'd have to change your citizenship to, to remain as a citizenship. So by getting the EU residency and followed by the permanent residency, you can stay there without their full citizens' rights, but with the EU uh, citizen rights that, that guarantee you for that. So the next thing I want to move on to, and again, if you've got any questions, put them in the chat room, is the medical cover. Now, not a lot's been said about this, but um, the UK have said that they want to carry on with reciprocal social insurance and healthcare agreements. They have a system in place which is exactly aligned with the EU system, and, and that includes some non-EU countries, uh, in Caribbean islands, for example. Um, but the EU have not committed to the UK being part of an EU-wide scheme. So if the, if the UK don't carry on with a bilateral agreement with the EU, and hence all 27 EU countries, then the, the UK would then have to make separate bilateral agreements with each country, which it can do. Tax, social welfare uh, and medical cover is not uh, part of the EU remit. It's coordinated by the EU, but there's individual immigration, tax, social insurance and medical arrangements for each country. So if you're an expat resident in Spain or Portugal, you on day one you and, and the UK, automatically have the right to um, healthcare residence from that day. In other countries, it's slightly different and the different rules apply. So for example, in Cyprus, you have to be paying social insurance or have a, a, an S1 exemption that moves you between countries. But the S1 scheme uh, technically finishes at the 31st of November this year and won't be rolled over until a new agreement is made. So this is the important spin-off that, that needs to be agreed between the UK and, and the EU. The elephant in the room for me is that the UK want to get on with lots of investment in, in underdeprived areas and make lots of grand schemes and infrastructure projects. And where will they get that money? They'll get that money from the VAT revenue, which would otherwise have gone to fund the EU. Um, and the reciprocal tax agreements with social insurance and um, healthcare are, are part of that uh, financial equation. And the, the, the negotiation is to agree something that will work. So there is no guarantee at the moment that an S1 will work for a UK expat in the EU or an EU expat in the UK after the end of this year. But you, you, know, you sense that um, common sense will prevail and, and people won't be left floundering around. But we're still waiting for that, uh, for that update before the end of the year. 
Um, so anybody traveling should make sure they've got travel insurance. If you've got, and, and that it covers pre, pre-existing conditions because the EHR scheme doesn't exist anymore, then, you know, in the worst case scenario, your travel insurance needs to cover you for all eventualities. Um, so you need to look into that and consider whether you need to upgrade, have some backup private private uh, medical cover in, in place. Um, one other thing I forgot to mention when we we're discussing the, the change to the travel arrangements that mobile roaming for telephones won't necessarily continue. For example, uh, that'll be down to the individual telephone carrier. The UK have introduced a law that says that um, for, e, for roaming, that mobile phone companies have to notify the user. Uh, once their monthly bill has gone over £45 to protect them against exploitation after Brexit. Um, so it's just something to be aware of. So what's, what's the implication for, for business? <clears throat> the implication for business is, is quite radical. Um, it, certain businesses uh, need to be, uh, if you've got a professional qualification um, or, or a trade qualification, is it recognised in that other country? So that, that, that's the thing that uh, if you're living and working abroad, um, does what you do as a doctor or a vet, does that work in another country or do you need to be registered? Um, what, what are the changes in social insurance? If you're living and working in a country, then you will continue to be uh, registered in that country for, um, uh, you still continue to register in that country for social insurance. So if you go and live and work in France and you register for social insurance in France because you're working there, that will take you into the benefit system in that country. And so by working abroad, the reciprocal uh, EU treaty doesn't matter so much. That's more for people that are receiving benefits or of retirement age living and working abroad. Um, But uh, does your employer um, need to provide extra cover because of any limitations from the country that that person's going to work in. Uh, all those things need to be factored in uh, for, for business when they're, when they're living and working abroad. The, um, the, the trade agreements are all in place. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest problems that's gonna affect businesses and individual expats is some of the regulated type of business. So I want to focus for this last piece of, piece of the seminar on, on banking. So um, some banks have already announced in the UK that they're going to close their bank accounts to uh, EU residents. That's because financial services is a regulated business. Now, regulation can apply across the the whole of the European Union and the EEA countries, which includes Iceland, Switzerland, Norway, Liechtenstein. Um, but once the UK is outside that, the, the, the bank isn't necessarily regulated in the EU. So they then have to be regulated in each individual country. Um, now, that is possible if you're HSBC, your big bank, you, you will go through the effort of making your regulation in the countries where you want to do business. But for a smaller bank uh, that's concentrated as a more smaller local savings bank, won't necessarily want to make that move. So some banks will end up closing down 
as a, as a business practice as much as anything else because they don't want to go through the time, money and expense of, of regulating to provide services to people in those other countries. So it could be that some expats find their, their UK bank account closing down at the end of the year. And what that means is you'll get a, a check to close your bank account in the post, that your payments will be returned to sender, and, and your direct debits won't be paid out. Uh, so you won't have a, a, it doesn't mean that you can't use an overseas bank account, um, but people like tax authorities or pension payers won't necessarily pay into a bank account outside the, the UK. So that's an additional complication as well. So it's something that needs to be looked into by, by uh, UK expats. Many UK banks now are part of the European payment system. So in the UK, there's a bank system with a sort code and bank account numbers. The, the European system creates the ubiquitous IBAN numbers and, but it allows for low cost uh, money transfers around Europe. So in, in theory, uh, a pension payer, a taxpayer could pay to a, a European bank if their bank has got uh, a connection through the elect European electronic payment system, but not necessarily. So that again, this is something that you need to validate and check with your bank and with your bankers, um, because the, your bank may not necessarily be opening up and also, um, whatever you do with the bank, you need your residency certificate, you need your tax ID and your tax registration, and, and you need documents to be certified in, in the country that they are to keep them up to date. So that's all part of uh, a, a complicated system that exists anyway uh, with uh, the regulated financial services, legal property businesses that need to be able to identify who's buying property, who's renting property, who's receiving pension, who's investing, um, and, and who's making business deals. Uh, your banks want that, the pension companies want that, the life insurance companies want that. So that's all part of uh, establishing your identity with your residency, your tax number, and certifying documents from your home country, apostille, and in, in your uh, country abroad. So, um, if the UK don't have any reciprocal uh, financial services agreement with the EU, then the UK will then have to make individual agreements with those countries again uh, to see how that goes. So it's something to consider. Uh, Proact offer a range of services to the clients and we offer one of those is a, is a retainer service which covers uh, certifying and advising on uh, what you need for your travel, healthcare, and uh, certifying documents for your tax registration in the UK and EU countries. So if you need any help on that, uh, contact us at proactpartnership.com. And also, if you want to keep in touch with how things uh, come out, how, how they unfold in the coming weeks. So by the end of this weekend, we should get quite a bit of movement and then that should firm up going into November that what, what the new rules are going to be made. And we then get some decisions on healthcare, on uh, travel arrangements, uh, driving licenses, pet uh, passports, uh, tax numbers, social insurance schemes, um, and what it needs to do. 
if you if you are a UK expat or EU expat uh, living and working abroad, you do need to get registered as a resident before the end of um, December to take advantage of the rules. So have a look at that. And, and if you need any help from us, contact us, but register at productpartnership.com events to keep in touch with uh, the, the changes that will be coming up in the next uh, week or two. Uh, tune in to us next time. Uh, you can answer questions. We didn't get any questions today in, in, in the webinar, uh, but um, please um, uh, feel free to ask us those uh, at contact us at productpartnership.com and then we'll uh, be able to keep you in touch going forward. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next time. The ProAct Know-How, brought to you by ProAct.